The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. There's a wild story that happened to one of the Rishonim, actually. And he wrote a piyut about this, uh, about this story of Rabbi Shimon Agadol. He wrote a piyut that the Ashkenazim, they say it in their prayers on the high holidays, come communities. Hasid, this rabbi, had, him and his wife had one son. Anyway, the kid was beautiful, he was brilliant, but he was very, very young and very cute. And at the time, they had a non-Jewish woman who used to come to the house. She would do with things around the house that only a non-Jewish person could do, turn on the ovens, whatever. She was very devout, Christian. She sees this beautiful child, he's so smart. She decides, you know what? She sees him home alone one day. She says, what a kid this would make for the church. I'm going to bring him to the pastor, to the priest, and let the priest save his soul, baptize him, and convert him to Christianity. She does, she grabs the kid. She brings him to the, back to the church. The priest immediately spirits him away. Unfortunately, this wasn't such an uncommon occurrence. It happened throughout these countries. People believed that they were doing the Jew a favor um, by helping him see the light of Yeshu, Yemach Shemo. Anyway, that's what Yeshu means, by the way. Yemach Shemo v'zichro. That's why we give that terminology. His not was, that was not his name. His name was Yeshua, and we changed the name to be able to come up with that acronym, okay? Anyway, the point is, Rabotai, this kid is spirited away. He's being raised by the priest. The husband, the father, Rabbi Shimon Agadol, his wife, they come back, the kid's gone. They look through the whole town, they're crying, they're fasting, they're doing everything they need to do. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is close the door, they have no possibility, they don't find the kid. Meanwhile, this child is moved all the way to the house of the cardinal in Rome. And the cardinal in Rome raises this kid as if it's his own. He's very smart, he picks up languages in a breeze, He's able to understand everything they teach him almost instantaneously. He makes great strides in moving forward, first to become a priest, after that to become a bishop, after that to become a cardinal, and now he's in the conversation to become uh, the Pope. The Pope dies, and eventually this little child, whose Jewish name is Elchanan, by the way, Elchanan is eventually, no idea he's Jewish, he gets appointed to become the Pope uh, in Rome. My friends, this child has no idea, who's so well-respected, who's so well-spoken, who's so bright, is a Jewish kid. As time goes on in his job, he starts to realize some things about his past that don't add up. I don't know, it's not like today when, you know, you, there's no pictures of me when I was a kid on, uh, you know, on iPhoto. It's not like that, right? But he starts piecing things together, things that didn't quite make sense. And eventually he realizes and he uncovers the fact that he's a Jewish child. He does a tremendous amount of research until he finds actually who his birth parents were and he uncovers that his birth parents is the rabbi of a, of a Rabbi Shimon Agadol who lived in the city of Magenza. Okay, very famous, one of the famous cities uh, in, in the Ashkenaz uh, uh, you know, story. He, he decides he wants to meet up with his father. But what's he going to do? How is he going to get in touch with his father without uh, you know, jeopardizing his position? After all, he's a very wealthy man. He, the Pope at that time was the most powerful man in all of Europe. They were more powerful, the Popes, than the King. In many instances, the Kings knew that if they didn't listen to the Church, the Church would have them, depo you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, knocked off, and they would bring someone else in. So the power and the money was so great, that even though he knew he was Jewish, it was, he, was, he struggled to just run away and run back home. So he came up with a plan to bring the Rabbi to him. He passes a decree that in the city of Magenza, the Jewish people should not be allowed to keep Shabbat, should not be allowed to do Brit Milah, 
should not be allowed to keep uh, to study Torah. The Jews in Magenta can't figure out why the Pope in Rome is passing laws on their city, on their city alone. They're fasting, they're praying. They send a delegation of rabbis, chief amongst them who? The rabbi, Rabbi Shimon from Magenta, back to Rome to be able to see if they can overturn this terrible decree. They get to Rome, the people go to the cardinal of Rome, and they ask him, is there anything that we could do? We know this came from the Pope. He says, this comes straight from the Pope. Only person to deal with is to take it to the Pope. And the Jews of Rome can't figure it out because the Pope has never been against Jews. In fact, he likes all peoples, all religions, but he has a soft spot for the Jews of all the other popes, many of which were very cruel. They can't understand it. They said the only way is to take a delegation of the most chashuv rabbis in Rome and the most chashuv rabbis that came from Magenta and to go visit the Pope. Vayihi Hayom, he was very, uh, uh, what's it called, very well versed. His favorite game was playing chess. And there were many times that he called in the wise Jews of Rome to play against him. Anyway, they get to the palace. They uh, usher him in. The Pope says, as soon as my father, this man walks in the door, he doesn't say my father, the Rabbi Shimon, bring him in for a private audience. They come in, the, the guards ask, is there someone here, Rabbi Shimon? The guy says, yes. He says, are you from the city of Magenz? Yes. He says, the, the Pope allows you to enter. Guess he knows I'm coming, the rabbi says. He walks in, the, ch- the Pope is in the middle of playing chess against some guy. The, the man, the rabbi sees this, this is his chance. He falls down to the ground on his knees in front of the Pope. And he says, please, I'm here as a, as a messenger for my people. You know, this is the lifeblood of the Jewish people. It's so important to us. You're a man of God. You believe in your religion. You know, how could you let it, how could you stop a whole, a whole people from, from fulfilling their religion? Don't you see how important it is? You know how important it is. On and on, he's crying and he's begging. The priest now, who's seeing for the first time his father on the floor, he's doing everything he can control, to, he can to control himself. He's, uh, you, know, p- you know, focusing on the game, moving another piece. He says, no, stand up. You don't have to be on the floor. Stand up, rabbi. And he continues playing the game to try and control himself. And the rabbi sees again that the priest, that this pope is not moved. So again, he puts him, throws himself on his knees, begging by his robes, you know, for mercy, for clemency. Finally, the man says, listen, this is uncomfortable. We'll finish the game later, he tells, uh, he tells his playing mate. He says, uh, he goes, let me, give me, let me give me some time with the rabbi. Anyway, the, he tells him, pulls up the rabbi. He says, he says, Rabbi, don't you recognize me? He says, where would I know His Excellency? Where would I know His Holiness from? He says, didn't you have a son many years ago? His name was Elchanan. He says, I did. He says, I'm that boy. Ani Elchanan. They grabbed me, they brought me to a house. I had no idea that I was Jewish. They raised me as a, as a as Christian. I did all my studies. I excelled in everything. They moved me from rank to rank. And now here I am as the Pope. And I knew that the only way to get you here quietly was to actually come up with some sort of ruse that would bring you here under the, prete- under the pretenses. At that time, by the way, if the Pope would actually, uh, people would find out that he was Jewish and he was going back, he was going to Esha Torah, right, they'd kill him. We actually have a story like that of one of the noblemen's children that converted to Judaism, Count Patatsky, in the city of uh, um, uh, Lublin, excuse me. Right, where uh, they actually put him to death. A crazy story where he, where he converted to Judaism. So he says, I have to come with this whole story. He says, but don't worry, I'm going to cancel the decree immediately. He says to his father, he says, but dad, is there any way for me to be able to come home? For me to be able to do teshuvah? I'm a Jewish boy, I don't belong here. This is not a job for a nice Jewish boy. <laughs> the father says, of course, 
He says, even if you worshipped, even if you bowed to Yeshu, he says, you were anus. It wasn't your fault. You were kidnapped. It's not your fault. And then the son looks at his father and he's breaking down. And he says to his father, he says, but dad, he says, that's true in the beginning. He goes, but at a certain point, I found out that I was Jewish. I even found out that I was your son. But instead of running away, the power and the money, it meant so much to me that I wasn't sure I wanted to jeopardize that by throwing it away and coming back to Judaism. I'm sitting there in the church giving speeches. I'm praying, doing, leading the prayers. Is there any hope for my soul? And the father says to him, he says, in davar, there's no thing ha'omed that stands in front of teshuvah. He says, you were honest that got you there. You were trained to think in a certain way. You were given all this money, you have a terrible nisayon. In davar, there's nothing that stands in front of teshuvah. The son hears these words. He breaks down in his father's arms. He says, go back home. I'm going to write a cancellation. He goes, I have one or two more things to take care of. He says, and then I'll figure out a way to make it back to you. He sends the cancellation of the decree. He gathers some of the money that he had together. He figures out a right time. He writes a document, an entire book, and he passes a law that every uh, pope that follows him has an obligation in doing their job to read this uh, treat, treatise, uh, treatise, I don't know, treatise, treatise. I think I'll get the correct pronunciation from Nathan Lowe afterwards. That will read his document that he's written about Christianity, where he points out all the questions that there are on Christianity, uh, where he points out all the negative sides that he's found in the religion. He puts this document out with the seal, the papal seal of the Pope. And then, my friends, the Jewish Pope disappears. As far as anyone can tell, he's drowned, he gets lost, he dies in the forest, nobody knows. But this Jewish boy makes his way back home, changes his clothes, changes his name back to his father's house where he becomes Baal Teshuvah and lives out the rest of his life in his father's house. My friends, I'm sharing this story with you, not only because it has an Ani Yosef, an Ani Elchanan moment, but because it has another such moment. The father says, Rohi, it's not your fault, you were kidnapped. And then the boy says, but dad, I knew better. I should have been better. And the father right then has a chance to change the life of his son. The right way with the right sentence, the wrong way with the wrong one. He could have told him what you knew, and you bowed to Avodah Zarah anyway. You knew, you recognized you were Jewish, you're still playing the game because of a couple dollars, you're a worthless piece of garbage. <laughs> you, you knew, and your mother and I are sitting at home crying for you, and you didn't do anything, you didn't send anything, you didn't send us a message, you're a cruel, heartless person, they want to talk to you again. That chance, when someone comes to us, broken like Yehuda is, when someone comes to us, we have an opportunity to tell them, you're crying now, you're crying about your father now, you don't give a darn about your father. When you sold me, what did you think about your dad? You know, that's what he could have said to him. He could have said to Yehuda, oh, you're, you're worried about this? He goes, you know what, you guys did far worse to me. He could have killed Yehuda and the brothers in that moment with one sentence. But in the end he said, Ani Yosef, the only thing that's important to me is his dad's still alive. Can we come back together? Can we rebuild a family? Can we sit at the same table? After a fight, my friends, there's an opportunity for someone to say one sentence that puts it all back together. One sentence that says, this is fixable. Let's work it out. Or a person could say, there's no chance. 
There's no hope. Forget about it. That ship sailed. It's water under the bridge. We're too far gone. And I bet you could think of a lot of sentences that in one sentence say or spell death for a relationship. And you could think of sentences, one sentence, that spell uh, a welcome back home. May Hashem bless us to seek out the sentences that change our perspective on people. And to be able to be the ones that deliver those sentences that reignite hope in the heart of someone after a very difficult time. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire dot org.